This is Living Faith, the podcast ministry of First Baptist Church of Avon Park, Florida. We are located at 100 North Lake Avenue. Our Sunday morning services start at 1045 a.m. Sunday school is at 930 a.m. You can find out more information about First Baptist Church at fbcap.net. You're listening to our current Sunday morning series, Who Are We? to embrace and to see who Christ is and live. As we get into uh, today's message, we are going to look at over the next couple of weeks, John chapter 1, verse 18, but today we're going to be looking at John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. You'll see in the order of service on the right-hand side is some introductory material for the Gospel of John, and sometimes that's helpful for us to understand the uh, intent of the of the writing and when it was written and why it was written. That helps us understand the the flow of the of the Gospel and all that is taking place. So I do encourage you to to take the time to look over that. But as you turn to John chapter one, I want you to turn to John chapter twenty. This is the purpose of the book. When God, through John, wrote this gospel, here is why we have the gospel of John. John chapter 20, verse 30. Now, Jesus did many other signs. Now, in the book of John, it's very important to understand that the signs and the miracles and the things that Jesus did were to point to him and who he was and his deity and and why he came. So everything about John's gospel and everything that Christ did pointed people to who Christ was. The other Gospels kind of portray in their writing emphasizes a lot of what Jesus did. But what I love about John's Gospel is John wrote to explain to the world who Jesus was. And he did many signs in the presence of the disciples which are not even written in this book. But these that we have are written, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that by believing, you may have life in Him. Look and live. Lord God, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the truthfulness of it, for the gift of it, the inspiration of it, the working of it. We're thankful that You are with us this morning through Your Word. That is not words of a man, but words of our Heavenly Father that have been preserved over time. We thank you for that word this morning. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the word. So open up our hearts and minds as Dr. Jones shared. Let us understand, let us respond, let us see the light, and let us live. And in Christ's name, we pray these things. Amen. Well, we live in a day and age, and any pastor in any day and age could say this, but we live in a day and age that we have to ask ourselves, who is Jesus? You could do a a poll anywhere in the world, and you're going to get all kind of crazy answers of who Christ is. 
You'll hear religious people say that he was a, a live person, but he was just a prophet, but he's not God. You'll hear people say that, yes, he was a historical figure, but he was just like you and I. But even in the, in the church world, and when I talk about the church world, those that, that claim to be Christians, and I don't say claim in a negative way, but I don't necessarily mean it in a positive way. I mean it in a neutral way. They claim something. Even those in the, in the world that we live in claim who Christ is. And, and I want to ask you to think about something. I, for those that aren't on social media, rejoice. Because it is, it is something that sometimes can be very frustrating. So if you're not on social media, you can rejoice. But if you are on social media, we also can rejoice. But I was thinking about this week. You want to understand where our culture is theologically? Go to Facebook. And I know this doesn't make any sense if you don't understand Facebook, and that's okay. We live in a world where there's like a, a Facebook Jesus. You know, just, just put Jesus on, on, a, on, a, on a little pretty picture and put flowers and mushrooms and butterflies on it and, and, and take a verse and, and throw a verse on it, and that's just Jesus. Well, and those verses are the Word of God. And there's nothing wrong with flowers and pretty things around a, a picture or something. But the view that we have of Christ in so many of our lives and so many of our churches is not who Christ is. Jesus is all-knowing and all-present and all-everything and all-powerful. We know He is Lord. He is our everything. But yet, do we really understand who He is? Do you really believe that you can just believe in Jesus and your life never change? Imagine that. I mean, you can throw something on Facebook and you have it, you don't, you don't, and I, you know, it's not about do's and don'ts, but you, you throw something on Facebook and you hadn't been in church in 100 years, you hadn't read your Bible in 100 years, you don't even know the difference between Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but you're, you're claiming Jesus. And Jesus is going to see me through. And Jesus is there. It's like we take Jesus off the shelf when the day gets bad enough. When we understand who Christ is, your life radically changes. When we understand who Christ is, we cannot help but to love him and to adore him and to worship him. I thought about last night. I just had fun last night. Why not just, is it okay just to have fun at church? Man, I went home and ate a $70 cake. That's how much fun I had. I told Charity, I said, bless God, if I'm going to spend $70 on an angel food cake, I'm eating it tonight, you know? And I thought about that. I thought, you know, that was just Sometimes it's just okay to have fun, isn't it? And I think Christ, when you have Christ as your Lord and Savior, it is okay to have fun. It is okay to be fun and have joy and be sweet and all of those things. And, and being a Christian, that is where we find our joy. But I think too often in the Christian life, when we think about Christ, it scares us to death to think about lordship and obedience and reverence and fear. I was at a coaching clinic this weekend, and they had an FCA meeting, and Wade and I got up, and we went to the FCA meeting, and 
the FCA guy got a little wound up and he got talking about Christ and his return. And he said, you mean tell you what Christ is going to do when he returns? He's going to judge and pour his wrath out on adulterers and slanderers and liars and drunkards. And I was like, good gracious. He's talking to football coaches. You ever been around football coaches other than Wade? Florida State and Georgia, they've been notorious, had Christian coaches. But you ever been around some of those Gator coaches? And I sat there and I thought about that. And I thought, man, he is really bringing it. He, when Christ comes, he's coming and he's judging the wicked. And his wrath is going to be poured out on all humanity. And I thought, but you know what? That's true. We don't ever hear that anymore. We just hear, ask Jesus into your heart. And he'll love you. And he will. But he's still God. He's still Worthy of our worship and our praise and our reverence and our fear, He is Christ. And when we understand that Christ comes into our life and forgives us of our sin and we understand who He is, naturally our obedience and our life should follow. We live in a day and age where I think we do not know who Jesus is anymore. These first 18 verses are going to lay the foundation of who Christ is in the beginning of John. And so this morning, this is what I want us to consider. Who is Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ is the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning. All things were made through Him, and without Him... Not anything, let me read, you know what the Greek says in that? Not one single thing that was made was made of him. It was all of made of him. Without him, there's nothing. There's not one iota, not one thing without Christ. In him was life, and the light was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Who is Jesus? One, he is the Word. Notice in verse 1, if you, if you think about John 1 and Genesis 1, are there some similarities there? In the beginning, God created. When you think about in the beginning, it, is, it, it carries the idea of the beginning, but also authority and rule. It, it carries the idea that there's a point, there's a beginning of something. There's the beginning, and that a beginning is all authority and all rule over all creation. And here's something to think about. Regardless if the world acknowledges it, who's in control of all things? God is. Even Christ himself says in the mount as he enters into triumphant entry, if these people do not cry out, the rocks will cry out. God does not need us to proclaim he is God, but if we know he is God, we will. In the beginning was the word. So Genesis 1.1 and John 1.1 point to this. This word is what we look at here. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. This word, word is Jesus Christ. We know that John wrote it, but John wrote it through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So as I always remind myself, God wrote it. 
And it says that he was the word. And we think about that word, word, in the Greek it means logos. And when he wrote the word, word, he was writing to a, a Greek audience. And that word meant the source of reason and the source of wisdom. So think about the world that we live in. The world is seeking truth. That's something that I think we forget. People want to know the truth. They don't believe in an absolute truth, and they've determined their own truth, but everybody is basically seeking truth. And even in, Paul, in John's day, in, in the day that this was written, probably in the 70s, 80s, or 90s A.D., they were seeking after truth, and there was Greek philosophers, and there was smart people, and they were all talking about the meaning of life and reason and wisdom and where did everything come from. And you know what? We're still talking about that, and the answer's right in front of us. I mean, the Lord Jesus is that answer, but we're still trying to come up with something else. Isn't that amazing? And we think it's tough living today. I always remind myself as a pastor, because I could say, oh, it was probably so much easier to preach years ago. No, it's never been easier to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The majority of people don't want to hear it. The world doesn't want to embrace it. And so it's, it's wonderful how God used this word. He said, in the beginning was the word to the Gentile and to the Greek and to the philosopher. This one is wisdom. This one is reason. This one is the meaning of everything. In the beginning was the word. But to the Jewish audience, when you heard the word word, it was what God had commanded, what God had said. As we look at the Old Testament, everything that God spoke, He spoke the Word into, by His Word, He spoke the world into beginning. Everything that God said was the Word. It was God. It was who He is. And so to the, Gentile, to the Greek and the Gentile, the Word meant everything that is right and wise and powerful. To the Jew, it meant God. Put those two together. To the world out there that is looking for wisdom and reason and truth and all the philosophical things of the day, there is there, and his name is Jesus. To the Jew that is waiting to the Messiah, that believes in Jehovah God, but is waiting on the coming of the Messiah, to the Jew, there is a word, and his name is Jesus. And he has been from the beginning. Christ has always been. Christ was not born he was not created. He is pre-existence. That's a key word there. He was in the beginning. I wrote this down for centuries. This is, what, this is what Paul would have been thinking. I wrote this down. I thought this was good. I read this and thought it was good. The author that wrote this said, this is what Paul was probably, John was probably thinking. For centuries you've been talking, you've been thinking, and you've been writing about the Word. Now I tell you who he is. John meets both Jews and Greeks where they are and explains Jesus in terms they already understand. That lost neighbor and family member, that confused co-worker and classmate, they are looking for answers, they are looking for truth, and they are grasping at everything, and we ought to be as we were in the New Testament and explain that everything that they are looking for and say it can only be found in Jesus. He is the Word. Think of all the problems that we have in, in our world. What is the answer? The Word. In the beginning was the Word. 
Jesus, that that brings order and reason and structure to the universe. Jesus, his divine power and wisdom. In the beginning, he is preexistent. Watch the word. It goes on to say, but the word was with God. If you take that word and look at it, prostatheon is the, the Greek little sentence there. And, and you hear people talk about Greek and Hebrew and the way the Bible is written. If you understand what the words kind of mean then and how we apply them today, this is what that word literally means. Face to face with God. It's kind of like, yeah, you, you know, we have those people that kind of get in your little area when they talk. I'm funny about that. I love to talk and I love to talk to people, but just don't get too close. And some of you may do that. You'll notice, you'll come up and talk to him. I'm like, whoa, hey. This, that's, my, that's my space. This is your space. I love you, but not that much. That's what I mean by doing that. Jesus was with God. He is God. Jesus was in the beginning, was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word is a person and He's a companion to God. We have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and they are God. But we have God the Son, God the Father, and God the Holy Spirit. Three different, but one. Jesus was in the beginning, He was pre existence. Jesus was with God, his distinctiveness. He was with God. And the Word was God. Deity. This is why I get so frustrated when everybody says, well, why? And you'd be surprised. It is not a, a, a week or two go by where in some form or fashion I'm confronted with this. I just don't understand why we can't all just get along together. You have your God. I have my God. You have your God. And for the betterment of the creation, why can't we? Let me tell you why we cannot. There's only one God. There's only one way. If Jesus Christ is not God, if Jesus Christ is not the only way, if faith through Christ is not the only way to salvation, that is religion. That is not Christianity. And I don't play well with others when it comes to that. I was part of a, an ecumenical group one time, and they said, okay, we're going to do a, a Christmas preaching thing in a neighboring city. I was living in Indiana, and I always get excited, not so that I can preach, but I always will get excited to share the gospel in any format, any capacity. They said, but what, this is what we want you to do. We want you to share something that everybody will embrace, and we don't want you to share anything that would offend somebody who doesn't believe like you believe. I don't do that very well. It would be different if I'm just coming up there and going, just, thus saith John. But I'm not standing up there going, thus saith John, am I? I'll be standing up there going, thus saith the Lord. My Christian, historical Christian faith is based on the Bible. We can't say, well, I don't believe the Bible, but I'm a Christian also. That doesn't even make sense. Remember last week's sermon? What do we call that person? 
A mor- thank you, Randy, a moron. Everybody else was afraid to say it. You know, I'm not saying moron in church. Avoid foolish controversies. Avoid moronic talk. That is moronic talk. I'm a Christian too. You're a Christian. No, what makes me a Christian is the Word of God. If somebody says, if, if somebody has the same terminology and they create, just take the words out of the Bible and say, well, I believe the same thing you do, no. This is what it means to believe the same thing I believe. This is what, it almost offends me when somebody says they're a Christian when Christianity is built historically on the Bible. Not the Bible in another book or the Bible in a prophet or a Bible. This is historical Christian. This is what the early church fought for and died for. This is what Christ came for, the Bible. If we don't believe in who Christ is, we don't believe in historical Christianity. If you've never embraced historical Christianity, if you just do the math, you're not a Christian. You can't go to heaven unless you go to heaven through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that doesn't make us mean, does it? It ought to make us humble. It ought to make us dependent upon the Lord. It ought to make us believe in what we believe is the absolute truth and we're willing to do whatever we would be willing to do to share that gospel. How many people remember Ted Turner? I know the older I get, people, isn't that funny? People go, who's Ted Turner? He was a, uh, the, the owner of the Atlanta Braves, I think, way back yesteryear. He started Ted, the Turner News Network, the known atheist. And he was talking to a local pastor in, in Atlanta, and he said this to the local pastor in an interview. And he said, so let me get this right. This one man came and he died for the sins of humanity. This one man is the only way to God. So we have God and we have this. We have one message of what it means to have salvation. The pastor said, yes. And this is what Ted Turner said. He said, if you really believe that, if people really believe that, and Ted Turner said, if I were to believe that, I would crawl on broken glass to share it with the world. Can you imagine an atheist saying, if you really believe that, your life would be different. If we really believe that Jesus Christ is in the beginning, was with the Father, if we really believe John 1, 1, we're going to be different people. We're going to be different churches. We're going to share a different message. But that's just the opposite. It's true. We never open our mouth. We're afraid to insult someone. We're we're afraid to offend someone. We just want to get along so bad. We'll let everybody believe what they want to believe instead of the truth. Who is Jesus? He is the Word. He is pre-existent. He is distinct. He is deity. He was in the beginning with God. Here's what's so wonderful about the Trinity and about Christ. He was born of a virgin, but has always been. He was born of a virgin, but he has always been. He was in the beginning, and we're looking for a big bang. We're looking for something that started something. There's no start to it because there's always been. He was in the beginning. So there we have the word. Number two, 
the word and creation. Look there in verse number 3. All things were made through him. Who is him? Jesus Christ. How many things are all things? All things. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. So the, you could say it in a, from a positive standpoint. All things were made through him. He was right there in Genesis in the beginning. God the Son is the creator. And he said, all things were made. Now, when you think about that, and this is what I was talking about, a Facebook Jesus, and I'm not making fun of Facebook, you know, so if I go to your Facebook day and you have a little Jesus on your Facebook, I'm not talking about you. But we had this meek, passive Jesus. He is loving, he is kind, he is gracious, he's Jesus, he's the great shepherd. He's got the little children in his arms, he's got the little shepherds, and like I said the other day, I've seen the picture of Jesus with a cat, so I guess, I don't know if that proves cats are in heaven. But he's creator. He is Lord. All of this is his. Why are we so afraid to bow and worship him as our Lord. There's actually a controversy in theological circles. I cannot wait to get to heaven where there are no more theological controversies. And we won't even care. The debate is whether he's Savior or Lord. Or is he Savior and Lord? Is that not, again, can we go back to last week's message? We're debating on whether or not we just take Jesus as Savior And then he becomes Lord later, but if you just believe in Jesus, that's enough. Well, the demon, James says the demons believe in Jesus and shudder. The devil believes in Jesus. The devil believes in the cross. The devil believes in everything that Jesus has done. That's why the devil is so bound and determined to to stop his plan. He is Savior, but he's Lord. You anybody ever been in the military? I bumped into a Marine captain the other day, and I said, sir, to him. And I said, well, why would you do that? Because I saw that he earned it, sir. I mean, as a civilian, I don't have to say that, but I, I said, sir, sir. I almost did push-ups or something. I don't know, just, sir. I, I shared this story. It's kind of embarrassing. I, I bumped into the commandant of the Marine Corps. You think, boy, what an awesome privilege. He was in the bathroom. Changing his clothes, true story, guys in the military, you love this. I walk in, it's like a Lance Corporal, I walk in the bathroom at the Marine Corps base, and the commandant of the Marine Corps is standing there in his boxer shorts. And so in a split second, I've never been told what to do when you see the commandant in your underwear. I didn't have a cover on my head, I don't even know what I had on. I'm like, afternoon, sir. I said, please don't salute, put your pants on, that'll be good, you know. Why would you do that? I would rather be wrong because it's the commandant of the Marine Corps. How much more respect does the Lord Jesus Christ deserve? He created everything. All of this is His. You know, we sing He's got the whole world in His hand. He created the whole world. You think about church for a moment. Now, we can't take another offering, but I wish we could. When that plate comes in front of you, you're saying he's either Lord or he's not. 
When we gather for worship, you're either saying he's Lord or he's not. When you've got that person that you want to witness to, you're either saying he is Lord or he is not. Now, if you're an unbeliever, it doesn't matter what you do. But as a Christian, he is Lord. Think about that for a split second. If churches in America began to live out the lordship of Jesus Christ, do you know how many family members I have that I don't even know whether or not they're saved? And the reason why I don't know whether or not they're truly saved is because they say something, but their life looks like something else. And we want them to be in heaven so bad, we know that salvation is by grace through faith, and we think, well, surely what they said years ago probably did they really mean it. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. If they bow their head and heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, and they're not faithfully following him there's only two things going on they're either lost and they're on a highway to hell or they're living an unrepented disobedient life and they need to get right with God and the longer we let them live that way it is doing them an injustice he is Lord I think about so many of of the sins and there's nobody in here that's perfect does anybody have a perfect week When Jesus is Savior and Lord, that does not mean that you become perfect all the time. But have you ever noticed Christians, we, you know, it's like Paul reminded the church in Corinth, should we continue to sin that grace may abound? And Paul said, certainly not. Why is it that we as Christians are so comfortable and satisfied living like the world, talking like the world, watching TV like the world, doing things that the world does with our relationships, with our lives? We even think about marriage. So we can't figure out what marriage is, and we're actually going to say that we can endorse two people doing something that Scripture completely says is wrong, and we're going to act like that that is okay, and Jesus is happy, and we're all going to a happy place one day. He is Lord, and He should be Lord of my life. When I do sin, and we all sin, when I do make the mistake, when I do have those thoughts, when those words come out of our mouth, when we do something we know we shouldn't do, because of the Lordship of Jesus Christ, we ought to bow our head and our heart and thankfully ask Him to forgive us and that we can move on living for His Lordship. He said, all things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made. Not one thing that we have, we can say, was not made, that was made by Jesus Christ. Turn, if you will, to Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. Colossians 1, 15. We have the word, but we have the word and creation. Colossians 1, a a wonderful passage that talks about the lordship of Christ and his rule and reign over creation. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or darkness. All things were created through him, and they were created what? For him. Everything. When you think about the Lordship of Jesus Christ and we look at everything that was made through Him, it gives us the assurance that we can live our life not based upon what we think or what we think we can do, but we live our life based on who God is. When He is Lord of everything, then we can give Him everything. When He is Lord of everything, we can walk out of that doctor's visit and say, well, that isn't what I want to hear, but He's still on His throne. When we live and He is Lord of everything, we can have that bad day, but we know He is still on His throne. We as a church live today like we're defeated. We're scared to death and we're defeated. 
And all we have to do is turn on the news or read a, a tweet or read something and we run for the hills and we tuck our tail and we're scared to death and we don't know how this thing's going to end. I can tell you how it's going to end. We've won. Do you believe that? We're not defeated. Satan's defeated. And if you think about what Satan's been trying to, well, I'll get to that. I won't get ahead of myself. We'll get to Satan in a minute. He is Lord. He's Lord on the good days. He's Lord on our bad days. He is always Lord. So admit that, submit to that, live that out, enjoy that. That's part of the greatest thing that I, I think about. Somebody asked me years ago, what is your goal in life as a pastor? And you've got 10 seconds to think of it and 10 seconds to write it down. One sentence. And I wrote this many years ago to encourage people to live for Christ. It doesn't mean I'm not an evangelist. It doesn't mean I'm not an apologetics. It doesn't mean I'm this and that. That is what drives me. If, if, if I were to get to heaven one day and there's a long line of heaven and say, Brother John, I, you, you just encouraged me to live for Christ. I've won. I, I've done what I think God has called me to do, whether I'm preaching or whether I'm not preaching or whether I'm doing encouraging people to live for Christ because He is Lord and He is Savior. And people need to see in our life that we believe that, the way we live, the way we act, the things we do. That's where holiness comes into play. That's where worship comes into play. That's where church comes into play. We've gotten away from that in our current culture. We always talk about the end time. Who is Christ coming back for one day? The church, the bodies of Jesus Christ, the believers of Jesus, from the cross on, whoop, he's coming for the church. Everybody that professes the Lord Jesus Christ that has been saved and born again and regenerate body of Christ, that is the church from every corner of every nation, and that is the church. How important do you think the church is to the Jesus Christ? Very important. How dare us say we can be a believer of Jesus Christ and not be part of the church? He told the disciples, you drop your nets and you follow me. We work on our nets until we have time, and then we go to Jesus. Isn't that what we do? He is Lord. He is our creator. That ought to excite us. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. You want your life to hold together? Make Jesus Christ Lord of your life. If you want your life to come together, if you're a broken home, if you're a broken family, if your life's a wreck, let Jesus Christ be the center of your life. It says He holds all things together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything He may be preeminent. What is everything? That everything, Jesus Christ, is Lord. For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through Him to reconcile all things to Himself and through Him to reconcile Himself to all things. What did Jesus Christ came to do? He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to give life and give it abundantly. And He is seeking to reconcile all men, where? To Himself. The answer is found in Jesus Christ. We must have the assurance of a, of a right relationship with Jesus Christ. If Jesus Christ was standing here, and in my mind I, I think of things this way, encourage me, if Jesus Christ was standing here today, how would you feel in His presence? If you say that you know Him, do you love Him? Are you living for Him? Are you following after Him? He holds all things together. For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through Him to reconcile all things to Himself, whether on earth or heaven, making peace, I love this, by the blood of the cross. 
And you who were once alienated, when, you're, when you don't know Christ, when you're dead in your trespasses and sin, the word said that we were alienated and we were hostile in our mind and doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. That's a theological mouthful, isn't it? We had this discussion this, this morning before we sang. The anchor holds where? In the veil. Never thought about that before. Go ahead, you thought about that before? We sing it, we believe it. We started thinking about it. The anchor holds in the veil. What is the veil? It is that which separated the holiest of holies in the presence of God from man. When Jesus Christ died on that cross, how was that veil, veil ripped from top to bottom? I have a relationship with God through the blood of Jesus Christ because I have repented of my sin and placed my faith in Him. And no matter what goes on around me, no matter the darkness or the storms that prevail around me, the anchor holds in the veil. That's good stuff right there, isn't it? Next time we sing it, we're going to say that a little differently, aren't we? Because of who he is. The word of God, go back to Colossians number 3. The word of God and redemption. The word of God and redemption. It's an overview of the entire book right here. In him was life. You think about it. In the beginning, there was, there was God breathed life. From the very beginning, God was creating life. In the beginning was life. Where's life found? In the beginning. Where it was in the beginning? The word was in the beginning. In the beginning was life. And the life was the light of men. We have that word life, and it, it literally is life from himself. It's a key word. We, we, we think about the, the series, look and live. It's because it gives life. And 36 times in John's gospel, it uses that word. Jesus Christ gives life. We once were dead, but we're, we're alive. We sing about being blind, and now we see it as Christ that gives us life. And we see that word, in him was life, and the life was light of men. You think about what light does. We know what light does. It exposes, it reveals, it guides, it comforts, it, it, it keeps us knowing where we are. Literally, the world before Christ, someone without Christ, is living in darkness. And the only thing that's going to give it light is Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter how you reason. It doesn't matter how you argue. It doesn't matter what you do. When someone is dead and their trespasses and sin, when you, when you look at the TV, and we always use TV example as our window to the world, when you look at the world that we live in and you look at the decisions that are being made and the things that are being done, the way that people live, in, and it infuriates us, doesn't it? That's what darkness does. You can't help but to live that way when you live in darkness. You don't know this, but as a pastor, you know how I judge you? I'm not supposed to judge. You know how I judge you as your shepherd? The way you live your life. If someone were to come, because I'm the shepherd. Think about Wiley Coyote now. I'm the shepherd up on the hill. That's the way I visualize myself. Real spiritual, isn't it? I'm on the hill. There's the sheep. God has given me charge of, the, of his sheep. There's, there's the sheep. I don't have any idea what that little goat's over there doing. Hey, you're supposed to be a sheep. 
look like a goat, you talk like a goat, and you act like a goat, you must be a what? Now, don't be running out of here start calling people goats. The preacher said, you're a goat. A moron goat at that. Here's the point. When someone, when we, and that's, that is why it's so important. I had a discussion with, with a, a, a Christian ministry this weekend at the coaching clinic. Don't stand up, not my chaplain buddy, me and him were talking about it. Don't stand up in a crowd of teenage kids and give a watered-down gospel. Don't, don't walk into a gym of 10,000 students and say, everybody just bow your head right now. If you want to go to heaven, raise your hand. If you want to believe in Jesus, just raise your hand. Amen, amen, amen. You're going to heaven when you die. No, you just made a, a, a religious goat is what you did. Is that the gospel? We've just told a, a 16-year-old kid because they raised their arm and they don't want to go to heaven that I, I believe some intellectual facts and so I say yes to that. I'm going to, that is not the gospel, my friend. Should we speak in front of a high school of 10,000? You bet you we should, but we ought to share the gospel. If we cannot tell somebody they're dead and their trespasses in sin because we're afraid they don't want to listen, then that's the gospel. I always use this as an example. It's silly. That's like telling someone when they get married it's going to be a joyful experience and they're never going to have a fight. There's some truth to that. Yes, you can believe in Christ and go to heaven. Yes, you can live eternity in a place called heaven. Yes, Jesus Christ will forgive your sins. But you've got to repent of your sins. You've got to confess your sins. And you've got to daily take out that cross and live for Christ. And it is hard. And the cross is heavy. And the world is sinful. And temptation is great. But as you live for Jesus Christ, you may lose some of your friends. As you live for Jesus Christ, you may not be in relationship with boyfriend and girlfriend. As you live a religious life, your life is going to radically change. That's the gospel. And so if we don't share the gospel, we're not allowing people to understand what it means to live for Christ. That is what light and life is. We don't want somebody just to, to see the light. We want someone to embrace the light. My chaplain buddy said this. He said, sometimes we go to our meetings, and he said, everybody come up, and they're, de they're, de they're devastated if we don't have 100 people come forward. He said, I tell you what, every day I pray to the sovereign God of the universe. Every time I share the gospel, just give me one. That's good preaching right there. If just one gets it and comes, that's enough. If I've got to do anything to draw a crowd or do anything to fill an altar or do anything, it's going to be of John and not of Jesus. But take that and think of it this way. How many friends do we know right now that are struggling with sin? And they have no joy, and they have no purpose, and they have no meaning. We know that because we're around them all the time, and we see it. You know the only thing that's going to change them? The gospel of Jesus Christ. And someone may say, well, I, I can't share the gospel. I don't know the Bible like other people do. I'm going to tell you what I heard a long time ago. You tell somebody what Jesus Christ did for you, that's sharing the gospel. I don't know all the books of the Bible, but I know this. It's like we looked at, I read that the other night, remember, with Paul Patrick Stevenson preached. But one thing I do know is I once was lost, and now I'm found. I know I used to be this way, and I'm that way. I don't have all the answers, but I know one thing, it's found in Jesus Christ. 
That's the gospel. We think about who Christ is. He is light and he is life. This goes with this one remark. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. This is a good word. It's one of those things you just as you study, you begin to see that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Think about it from the New Testament on. All the devil wanted to do was stop Jesus, didn't he? Think about it. As crazy as that sounds, all Satan wanted to do was stop Jesus. The baby was born. Satan, let's kill all the babies. The baby was born. Let's put a king in place that will be against that baby. Satan wants to defeat Jesus in the temptation. And Jesus said, nope, I'm here to do my father's work. I'm standing on the word. Satan wanted so bad to do away with Jesus. He got in in the Pharisees and the Sadducees and even Christ himself in John 19. He is standing on in front of Pilate and he has been beaten through the night and he had been arrested and Satan is having a field day thinking he's won. And Christ is standing before Pilate and Pilate says, Do you not know that I have the authority to have you forgiven? You remember what Christ said? Any authority you have is from above. That's good stuff right there. Christ knew that everything that was going on in his life that day, that beating, that cross, that crown, those nails were the will of his Father. Jesus is saying there is nothing that is going to stop my Father from doing his work. There is nothing that is going to stop the gospel from being the gospel. Why? Because the darkness cannot prevail over the light. You think about it logically. We could have the blinds down and we could cut the lights off and it would be dark. And the minute the light comes on, it's not dark anymore. We live in a dark world, but the light has overcome it. We've got the light of the gospel in our heart. If you're a believer, we've got the light of the gospel in this church. And what we need to do is take the light out into the streets of our community and encourage people to know Christ because darkness will not prevail against it. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him not anything that was made. In Him was life. And the light was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. Let's stand as we pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the word. We are thankful that you are the word of creation and the word of redemption. We are thankful that you are the light and the life of men. And Lord, I pray, I pray as the shepherd of this great church, that there would not be anyone here today that does not know you as their Lord and Savior, as the light and the light of the world. Lord, help us to continue, help us to be a church that stands on the truth of the gospel, that we're not afraid to stand for biblical truth and understand that Christ is the way, but that we do it in a loving way, a passionate way, a convicted way, a bold way, a fearful way. Lord, if there be anyone here today that needs to respond to that light, let today be that day. 
Lord, maybe there are those here today that have gotten away from the things of the light. And there is a point and a time that they truly did repent of their sin and place their faith in you. Maybe today is the day that you have quickened their hearts to love you and to love the things that you love. If we need to respond, Lord, I pray that we do so because your word has laid it on our heart to do so. And this we pray in Christ's name. Amen.